my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to Modern Rules, a production of MSNBC and iHeartRadio. I'm Stephanie Rule, MSNBC anchor and NBC News correspondent. And this is a special bonus episode of Modern Rules. I had a couple conversations this season that you didn't get to hear all of. But those conversations stuck with me. They've sat with me over the last few weeks and months, so much so that I wanted to share more. Earlier this season, I spoke with a good friend of mine, entrepreneur, author, business and marketing professor, and the very outspoken Scott Galloway. We talked a lot about the Me Too movement and moral leadership, but we covered a lot more. In our full conversation, we covered everything from taxes, income inequality, parenting, mean girls, and something Scott frankly knows all about, white male privilege. It was a long game of mental and verbal ping pong, a game that Scott was definitely not prepared for. In hindsight, he said, if I knew we were going to cover all this, I probably wouldn't have shown up. But guess what? He did. And I'd like to say it was one of the most fun and lightning conversations I had this season. And for this bonus episode, I just wanted to share a whole lot more. One of the reasons I decided to go into academia is academia is based on the pursuit of truth regardless of who it offends. That you had Socrates saying, we, our job is to provoke, so in order to provoke, we actually need to find land outside the city where people have freedom of thought. And they're protected. If they say the world is round, they're not burnt at the stake. We are in this cancel culture. Yep. Social media is performance art. Yep. You can't have a nuanced conversation sure. ever. The problem is, I think we have this culture now where you get points. If you're offended... You're immediately right. 
All you have to do to be right is be offended. You immediately get virtue points. So this triggers microaggressions. Kids who have parents who provide concierge and bulldozer parenting, creating this princess and the pea syndrome among kids I see coming into college has led to an environment, especially at universities, where we're really not encouraged to provoke. We're encouraged to pursue ideas and train people to make a lot of money, but we're not there to explore ideas because as a white heterosexual male, I walk into the room slightly wrongish, wherever I am at all times. And people say, well, we're having a conversation around these things. No, we're not. We're not really having a conversation. We're having an overdue immune reaction to some terrible problems. But to that point, if you say something from your heart and your mind, yeah. And it doesn't exactly fit into a category. People will call you a sexist, a racist, a misogynist, and then you're dead to them. 100%. That's my point, that there's only one real dialogue here, and that is our appropriate dialogue for someone in my position, and that is to pile on and be outraged by everything and join the chorus. It's or not say to nothing. Have. This is my fear. That's okay? 100%. Retreat. So look at Me Too, for example. Yeah. I did a, a wellness panel last year, and I was talking about how in Me Too, there's different grades of Me Too. And I actually brought up a a very unpopular topic of redemption. Because I think, listen, we love to fight as a culture, but we also love forgiveness. We love a comeback. And I brought that up, and a woman in the audience stood up and said, F you, and she walked out. And another woman said, corporate America was built by male white supremacists. And until we destroy that system, we can't move forward. And I tried to make the argument, like, listen, the world is run by white guys. If you want to get them to the table, if you want to make things better, we have to find a middle ground. Is there a middle ground or do you have to burn the house down? Because is it easy for me, somebody who has white privilege, Mm -hmm. to say, come on now, can't Mm -hmm. we love more? Can't we just get along? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not really oppressed, and I never have been. So (laughs) that's a difficult question. I think we're going to have an overcorrection. I don't know if we're going to have what is really a conversation. I don't know how we end up on the other end of this. So I was thinking about Joe Biden, and I believe what Jonathan Haidt, he's sort of my Yoda around this stuff, and he's a colleague at NYU, and he believes that at least initially you should interpret gestures with the intent that they were made. And I look at what happened with Vice President Biden, and I wonder, okay, did that really warrant the type of response in the controversy. And even just saying that is dangerous because there's a general viewpoint that, okay, anything, any of expression of affection in the workplace is a really interesting thing because I do a podcast with Kara Swisher and she was saying that she's experienced, and I believe her, so many just creepy moments with men who feel at liberty to invade a woman's space. And I 100% believe that and I've seen it. I also asked her, have there been moments of expression of affection at work that you've appreciated? And she said, yes. And I said, well, some of us need help figuring out the gray zone in between that. And the reaction right now among all men at work is that there's absolutely no affection. There's no real open, honest dialogue. There isn't even joking. And I think it's creating a lack of camaraderie and quite frankly, a lack of career advancement and connection for the people who need it the most. I was in sales and banking. One could say, oh my God, it's sexist that you had to make dinner reservations. Mm -hmm. What were you doing going to places like that? Guess what? Me going to those dinners and getting myself a seat every single night Mm -hmm. was great for my career. And to say, I'm going to use my feminine wiles. It's not feminine wiles or sexuality, but women do have high emotional intelligence. And people might invite me to dinner because I'm going to make the table move faster. I'm going to make the clients feel good. Not in a sexual way, but in a personal way. And that personal connection, building trust with the senior people at the bank and with our clients is what catapulted my business. 
You know how this problem gets solved, and this is going to sound politically correct. You're generous with people, and the thing that has protected or been the kind of the kryptonite of my firms from ever having a complaint or a lawsuit is that early on, I recognized this underinvested asset called young female leadership. And that is if you gave them a little bit of flexibility, they were outstanding assets that weren't appreciated by traditional corporate America. So at L2, which we sold two years ago, nine of the 11 largest equity holders were either LGBT or women. And you know what? When you have women and LGBT people running the company, this just never happens. And there was this kind of underinvested asset. And now finally, 70% of high school valedictorians are women. They're finally catching up in the workplace. We have a different crisis of the making, though, and that is young men are failing. And I see it in my organization. The women are thriving. The young women are thriving. Where women hit a, hit a wall, and this is where the nuance comes in, is when women have kids. Mm-hmm. So women without kids have closed the wage gap. Women with kids immediately dropped to 77 cents on the dollar. But, Scott, corporate America, even government, government was designed in a way under the assumption that corporate leader does their job. Right. And there is a separate person in their home that manages their children and their household. That's how the model was created. Right. I remember before I had my first child thinking, I'm going to run the securities division at Deutsche Bank. Yep. I remember the day I came back from maternity leave, looking across at the head of the securities division and thinking for a moment, Holy cow, that guy is on the road 40 weeks a year. And at that moment, I thought, well, maybe I'll just be the biggest producer. And unless we start to look at what people's priorities are, men and women, I don't think you're going to change that for women. Look, evolution in biology is pretty powerful. And no matter how politically correct we are or the contribution that men want to make in the home, I do think that women's instinct... You know, when our kids get up at night, my wife hears the footsteps. She's just trained to that noise. And while I'd like to think I contribute, I'm not sure. My wife worked at Goldman Sachs for five years. And yet we found that the majority of the time she was the one getting up. And I'm not proud of that. But it's like, how do we create or compensate for that type of balance? And I think corporate America is trying. They've slowly but surely increased maternity leave. One thing I noticed about... Goldman was they tried to be pretty empathetic to women with children, or at least they played, you know, FaceTime about it. But at the end of the day, she couldn't on a moment's notice go to Detroit and be with General Motors for the meeting because we had two kids under the age of five. So I think corporate America has sort of figured out what I'll call the male-female wage dynamic. What they haven't figured out is people with ovaries. They haven't figured out how to create career velocity for people who decide to fulfill the most important attribute of the species, and that is propagation. We just haven't figured it out yet. Well, it's hard to do that because when you're in your family-raising childbirth years, that's when, listen, a 31-year-old investment banker, that's when he or she is in his lane, right? I would never, ever say it out loud, but when I think back to when I was in banking and I would interview associates that were men and women, I would never say this out loud. I'm sure in the back of my head, I thought, well, uh, I think she's engaged. You're getting married. When's she having kids? Like, when's she having kids? And is she going to come back? Right? And and I'm embarrassed. Every CEO has the same thought. That, and I would obviously never say it out loud. The same thought. But I know it impacted me. Because especially in those industries, you need horses to run around the track. Well, Stephanie, imagine you're the CEO of a small company that's venture-backed, and you have sort of a, a 24 kind of hall pass to survive. And the infant mortality rate on small businesses is 80%. 
and you're interviewing two HBS grads, and one's a guy who's totally paranoid and worried and hungry because he has two new kids at home and you know he's going to work 18 hours a day, and one is that young woman who's just gotten married, and you're thinking, okay, what happens when she gets pregnant and I want to be a good guy and give her maternity leave? And you want to do the right thing, but unfortunately sometimes you wonder, can I afford to do the right thing? You check yourself and you stop that thinking, but there's just no way you can control those thoughts. But to that point, when we get offended when the president says America first, isn't America first kind of the way we run our families? Take care of our own family first, Mm -hmm. and then in our excess capacity, give to others. Yeah, but the wonderful thing about capitalism is it assumes that a basic human attribute of our species is that we're going to affix our own oxygen mask before helping others. Self-interest is the most powerful motivating force in the world, and it's the basis of capitalism. But at the end of the day, the baker doesn't give the butcher bread for that person's well-being, but because they want meat in return. It's a powerful engine. But also a key to capitalism is this notion of democracy and the rule of fair play. And we also believe in progressive tax structure, that we have a baseline level of redistribution of income. The game might be tilted, but at least it's not rigged. And I would argue over the last 30 years that the middle class has figured out slowly but surely corporations have become government. The tax systems become rigged. Okay, but Scott, here's the thing. What you are asking for is moral leadership. I think we are the Avengers of the Galaxy. We are the superheroes. The American Disabilities Act, the Civil Rights Act. There's been Social Security. All these things were hugely expensive, hugely unpopular, and we did them. I think there's been thousands, if not millions, of people who've shown incredible moral leadership, been class traders, whether it was Teddy Roosevelt saying to the railroad guys, you elected me, I love mm-hmm. you, but guess what, I'm breaking you up. Whether it was FDR being a class trader to his rich friends by increasing taxes so he could have more social welfare so people didn't die in poverty. Traditionally, throughout history, it's very clear when we get to the current levels of income inequality that we have, the good news is they always self-correct. Income inequality self-corrects. How? That's the bad news. The mechanisms of self-correction are either war, famine, or revolution. And that is people get so fed up, they turn to nationalism and they start demonizing immigrants, or they turn to some sort of government overthrow through socialism. You end up with Chavez. At some point, when you look out your window and you see everyone with pitchforks, you realize, well, maybe it's time, you know, maybe it should be more than let them eat cake. I think we're at that point. The last time we had these levels of income inequality was in the 20s, right before the crash. And people are so fed up. An economy and a society can't survive without a prospering middle class. And the middle class in America has either been sideways, most generously for the last 30 years, probably going down. And we're in the midst of a soft revolution and it manifests itself in different ways. Hold on a second, because we have so much more to talk about. We'll be right back after a quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. 
Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back to Modern Rules. There's calls for 70% taxes and the elimination of air transport and a billionaire super tax. There's calls to put Lori Loughlin, not Aunt Becky, in prison. I empathize with her. I'm an academic, and I do think it's probably easy to incrementally decide to make bad decisions around getting your kids into school. Because as an academic, I can tell you, we've become drunk on exclusivity. We have lost the script as academics. We used to think we were public servants. Now we think we're luxury goods. And my dean and my director of admissions stand up every year and brag about how impossible it is for kids to get into school, which creates this hunger games where if you get into a good school, you're going to do great. And if you don't, you're kind of, for lack of a better term, you're screwed, right? Okay, so you but can that's see making bad decisions. We all end up in the arms race and you say, well, I can't parent in a vacuum. Yeah. I've got to get in the mix, right? Yeah. Maybe this was, maybe it was born when Princeton Review was created yeah. however many years ago, but yeah. it's impossible. Like, I, I do understand the slippery slope in how you become one of those parents yeah. who bought their way into school, but it is a slippery slope, but it's also impossible to get out of the game because yep. you do want to do what's right for your kid. We clear out all the physical obstacles for our children, so our kids have never been physically safer. But the result is we've used so many sanitary wipes on our kids' lives that they aren't developing the immunities they need. And mm -hmm. then when they get to college, we have record levels of depression and suicide. The number of emergency room admittances of teens who are self-harming or have attempted suicide has doubled in the last 36 months. You combine that with the fact that these kids are now on screens more than they're on TV. And not only do they see the party that they're missing out on, they see it play out in real time. You have record levels of teen depression. You know what is the biggest risk to our happiness, Stephanie, for you and me? The biggest risk to our happiness is the combination of good intentions, but concierge bulldozer parenting that you and I are probably both a little bit guilty mm -hmm. of, and in combination with Instagram and these weapons of mass destruction entrenchment by mostly teenage girls. We talk about toxic masculinity. There's something called toxic femininity playing out in high schools right now. And one of our kids 
gets really depressed and upset. You want our lives to be taken off track? We are facing an emerging mental health crisis among but our But why young won't we acknowledge this, right? Mean girls, for example, mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. I see it in my personal life every day. If you look at Instagram, it's the epicenter of it, yeah. yet it's something we're not willing to talk about. It's too offensive to talk about. Well, it goes back to this notion that I talk about genders. I think embracing your gender is hugely rewarding. I think embracing your masculinity is hugely rewarding. Embracing your femininity is hugely rewarding. That doesn't mean you have to be a bad person. That doesn't mean you have to be silly or oppressive or toxic or embracing your lack of your gender neutrality if that is what makes you happy. But right now we have a conversation where you're not allowed to acknowledge the sexes are different. So, for example, boys, and this is scientifically based, bully physically and verbally. We punch each other and then call each other names, and it's upsetting, but it's usually kind of over. Girls bully relationally. It is really damaging to other girls. It is actually more toxic than physically, you know, holding someone down and hitting them or giving them a wedgie. When you start tactically, girls are more thoughtful and they're more mature. They pick a victim and they start using these nuclear weapons of mockery and self-esteem destroying called Instagram. But in a conniving way, why do you think the movie Mean Girls was, why do you think that book was written? Why was it created out of nowhere? Why was it awesome? Right? The movie Heathers existed. So we're going to pretend that all women completely tell the truth and we're all sisters. I have, without a doubt, had more women stab me in the back. And by the way, I've been rough on some girls too. And right now, we are unwilling to say that. First off, we have to acknowledge that the sexes are different, and that's okay. But right now, you can't even have a conversation that acknowledges any differences. What we have in in high schools, though, I think is really dangerous because we have kids who aren't developing the immunities. We have, so for example, The number of teens that see their friends every day has been cut in half in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So there's some good things. There's less teen pregnancy and there's less drunk driving than ever before. But the bad news is the reason kids aren't driving drunk or having sex is because they're home on Instagram feeling bad about themselves. So there's a trade-off here. We're going to be right back after a quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to Modern Rules. One of the dangers about our segregation of rich kids from middle class from poor kids in the school system is decreasing the amount of empathy we have for each other. I went to a public school. I had friends who were rich. I was squarely, I was part of the upper, lower middle class. And then I had friends, My one of my closest friends was a kid named Ronnie Drake, an African-American kid whose only way to college was to get a scholarship at Lynn University in Oregon. And I think I aspired to do more because I saw my rich friends going to great universities. I think I had more empathy for Ronnie. And the problem now is we are separating everybody from everybody else. I think kids have a lack of empathy. I think their parents are clearing out all the obstacles for them and not letting them develop immunities. And then you combine that with all this screen time and we have what is a brewing mental health crisis. And it's the biggest risk to your and my happiness because you have your world of work, you have your world of friends, you have your world of fun, you have your world of kids. When something comes off the rails with one of your kids, and everyone here is on their Instagram mm-hmm. thinking, none of these guys have kids, I can tell. You're literally, your world collapses. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of a sudden, the work, the friends, all goes away when something comes off the rails with one of your kids. But where's the balance? Because in terms of helicopter parenting, on one hand, you and I had no choice but to work it out. That's my family motto at home. But now that I know my oldest son is dyslexic. Yep. And of course, when your kid gets diagnosed, then you get tested. And then we realize I am. But... I never got diagnosed. I worked through it. And yeah, maybe working through it, it maybe working it out led to my success. Yeah. But I don't want my kids to struggle. So yeah. then they get the bumpers and they the get the support. Occupational therapy. And, the, and, yeah. and then you're down yeah. a vortex yeah. of an osteopath and an occupational therapist and untime testing. And then you are putting your kid on a tiny little cloud of love. Yeah. And they're just waiting to get decapitated. So how do we find the right balance here? The honest answer is I don't know. I, I think we're all trying to figure this stuff out. You said something earlier or in the beginning when you said, listen, like, like, I know when I walk into my classroom or a meeting, I'm already in a tough spot because I'm the white guy. But here's why. We keep saying that. And yep. we're saying, like, the toughest place yep. to be is to be a white guy right now. And there's a war on men. Except, and listen, you and I were on yep. TV earlier. Yep. And the seven bank CEOs, you yep. know, are testifying on the Hill. And somebody yep. else on air with us said, well, the seven white guys walked in. Yep. So you're right. Yep. Those seven white guys have to endure yep. people like me rolling our eyes saying, man, seven yep. white guys running banks. Yep. But guess what? There are still seven, seven white, white guys, guys running, running banks. banks. There are 100%. still almost exclusively white guys yeah. running the planet. Yep. So to me, yep. this war on men, yes, we had yeah. a record number of women win yeah. in the last election, but look at the data. We're not taking over anything. We still make less money. It's like what Chris Rock said, that if you actually gave white men the power to change their gender and their race, they would probably decide to just ride this whole white guy thing out. Exactly. Uh, you credit your character and your hard work for your success, and then you credit the market for your faith. Failures. And I constantly try and virtue signal talking about the fact I was raised by a single immigrant mother. But as a white male, you don't realize, uh, as white heterosexual males, just how many small advantages you're given every day. What I was referring to is in the conversation around Me Too or anything like this, you have a lack of credibility. And I think there's a certain assumption that you're just sort of a little bit guilty, that just by virtue of being a white heterosexual male, 
you're probably one of the perpetrators on some level, even if it was unwitting. So I agree with you in 98% of instances, you know, white male privilege is still there. I do think it's getting better and it's getting better for the right reasons. You know what is a great leveler is competition. One of the reasons the Americans beat the Axis powers was we brought women into the workforce and we kind of never turned back. When Americans wanted to maintain their standard of living, women went into the workforce. We no longer have the luxury of as much discrimination as we used to because you go out of business. So competition in America, the desire to be more competitive, the desire to have a great firm, we no longer have the luxury of saying, but Bob played lacrosse at Princeton. It's like, well, you know what? Susie's just better than Bob, right? So we're going to promote Susie. And the weird thing that's happening, what I see is there's a lot of men in their 30s and 40s in my generation that feel that we sort of have this birthright to being promoted because we have outdoor plumbing and we're white. And, and there's this crisis of, okay, finally they realize, you know what, that doesn't cut it anymore. It just doesn't cut it anymore. And there's a lot of self-loathing and anger. But the reality is it's overdue, and the great equalizer here has been competition. I think it's a good thing. I think capitalism works. I think ultimately our desire to win starts starching out the luxury of bigotry, and I think things are headed largely in the right direction. Other than the aberration of the last 30 months, things, I think, on the whole, you know, the arc of justice is curved, but it does bend towards justice. I do think we're headed in the right direction. We unpacked a lot in that conversation. But what I really took away from Scott is that every issue we're covering today that we think is monumental never before, well, guess what? It's not new. There are years and years of nuance and social advancement and struggle behind every one of these matters we deal with today. And perhaps the things you are not supposed to say out loud, if you say them, you realize that other people are thinking are dealing with the same thing. Thank you for listening to today's bonus episode, and thank you for bringing an open mind and helping us create what are hopefully modern rules. That's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stephanie Rule. A very, very special thanks to the extraordinary people who made this happen. My producers, Julie Brown, Samantha Ulin, and Ann Barak Audio. Michael Biet for booking and wrangling the amazing guests who joined us. Julian Weller for editing and Bill Plax, Michael Azar, and Jacopo Penzo for their recording expertise. Special thanks to Steve Lichtig, Barbara Rabb, Jonathan Wald, Marie Dugo, Holly Traz, Nikki Etor, and Christina Everett. Our executive producers are Connell Byrne and Mangesh Hatigador. And of course, the men who brought us all together, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia, Bob Pittman, and Chairman of NBC News, Andy Lack. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.